1: Hello and welcome to the Headstuff podcast networks best of 2017 clip show. This is Alan I'm going to play some short clips from a range of our podcasts so enjoy and if anything here tickles your fancy give that show a go. No encore. What a year those lads had. They sold out the Workmen's Club in March for their first ever live show. They followed that with a sold-out show in Whelan's as part of the Dublin Podcast Festival in September. They did a great show at a radio conference in Galway and sold out the No Encore Quiz of the Year. Not bad at all. Here they are, first talking with Mango about Electric Picnic, then talking about Miley Cyrus.
2: I did see you mentioned on Twitter. You did say like you know coming back from the picnic thing and then like putting on a name tag and going to work was a really surreal experience. Yeah. Like like were you like I I, I would have taken the day off. I would have been like fuck it. I'm oh, no, not no, going. No in. Oh,
3: no no. I took the Monday off. Yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was row off. Like she, I had to go to it. I had to go to a music video uh, for Rebel Phoenix, and it was like uh, you know like it was a very kind of macho tune. Everybody's like you know me and the camera and shit like that. And I was like I was doing my best, but like God help me, man, I was shaking. <laughs> and I was like, oh we going to do another scene? I was like, do you know what, that's. Going home, cuddly be <laughs> me ma. Like, I'm, in, I'm, I'm in an aircon bundle here. Like, good night and God bless. It is it is surreal, but like that's 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 you know life as an independent artist. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. It's like I got to do my Peen job. In a hoop. Yeah, 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 yeah pretty much. <laughs> People <laughs> pays me a free beer.
2: Now this song is called Malibu. It's been getting a bit of a kicking in the press, particularly Pitchfork, who noted that it makes Sheryl Crow sound edgy. Is it just me, or is this quite charming? I mean, this is the thing. It's weird to kind of
4: put into the topography, I suppose, of Miley Cyrus's career, where if this song had arrived in, say, 2010, when it was kind of Party in the USA style Great
5: song. You kind of say what an era. The whole punk thing was kicking yeah. off.
4: <laughs> but you kind of see how it would fit in, or, like, you know, you would expect it from her. But listening to this, it's as though the whole, you know, bangers... Uh, maturation, uh, flaming lips, dead pets, all that has just been pushed to one side again. Oh, yeah. She's, and you're just like, what are we getting? It's a research. It's world? a hard research. She's
5: yeah. reining it in. She's gone too far. She's re- She regrets the, you know, uh, wrecking ball stuff. I mean, she looked into the void and Wayne Coyne looked back at her. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the result. Episode title, Can sort of Um But yeah, this is like, you actually start hearing that kind of like Tennessee twang again in oh, this. Yeah. And then it does like you have the muted electric guitar and I think it's got a weird Phoenix guitar line yeah you kind of it seems like it's going to be a weird alt country but poppy thing and then it goes into a kind of unce unce like Chris Martin adventure of a lifetime thing with the guitars and it's totally just I mean it's very beige it's about getting back together with Liam Hemsworth (laughs) and and standing on a beach and the sky being blue and then being like the waves coming in and out and it's not great but it's fine it's inoffensive
1: Alison Spittle also had quite a year, culminating in her very own sitcom on national television called Nowhere Fast. Find it on the RTE player if you haven't seen it already. It's brilliant. Her podcast, The Alison Spittle Show, has gone from strength to strength. Here's a couple of clips. First, Ellen Coyne talking about her effort to become Ireland's Minister for Women, then, David O'Doherty talking about his role at Twink's wedding.
6: Minister for Women. Hello. Okay. Hello. Good to see you. Hello, listeners. Hi. Uh, so, Minister, um, thank you for coming in today. Uh, Minister, mm-hmm. do you remember bubblegums? They were the the little bubble with a with a liquidy inside. What was the liquid made out of?
0: That is a very good question, Alison. And thank you. I think that Bubbaloos are important. There's a lot of people listening who will remember bubblegums, and there's a lot of people who maybe. Have bad experiences with Bobloos and I just But all I want to, to know
6: Minister, Minister, mm, thank you. Yes, yeah, yeah. All I want to know is what is the liquidy stuff well, th- just just the ingredients now. Well if you'll if you let me finish,
0: <laughs> Alison. I'm just I'm just about to get to that. This government has been strong on Bobloo's. <laughs> the Minister for Man has never said anything about Bobloo's. And I wonder why the media doesn't have him in here answering questions about He's bubbloos. not available. He's not available. Yeah, it's it's amazing, Alison, how those ministers never seem to be available to answer the difficult questions. Did they really get that bubblers. shitty with
6: you
2: <laughs> I mean, I'm about to drop a massive bombshell on you oh, right really? now. Yeah,
7: are you Twink?
2: You're st- <laughs> David had already. I was page boy at Twink's wedding. <gasps> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, in 1983. Oh my god! I know. Yeah. We, uh, so it started off me dissing celebrity news, and now I've just dropped. Right now, all news stations around the world, breaking news is scrolling, <laughs> scrolling, scrolling oh across the bottom of the screen.
1: The latest season of Fascinated with Groade Faraday saw him interview such megastars as Kelly Bryan from Eternal, James Dreyfus from Gimme Gimme Gimme, and Shelley Wright. The next season is bubbling away behind the scenes, but here are some good bits from 2017. Here's Kelly Bryan from Eternal talking about the illness that ended her solar career, and Carol Decker from T'Pau talking about how Enya and U2 ripped off some of her songs. So I was in to
8: hospital, and I remember... Um Dennis, coming to see me in the hospital. And he just looked at me and, like, you know, I knew what he could see, obviously, because I knew what I looked like. And he just said, look, your health is more important. You just stay here and get well. And I was like, what does that mean? He was like, doesn't matter what it means. He said, you just get well. And, And I remember him looking like he was really, like, teary. And he wouldn't, and he just wouldn't cry. And I was like, okay. He's like, I'm just going to cancel everything. And I was like, okay. And that was that.
9: I always used to get confused when I would hear the Enya song, which came out after.
10: Oh, yeah. uh, After Chimes. Yes.
9: Orinoco Flow, yeah. Did you ever, did you listen to that and go, hold on a second?
10: And you too, sweetest thing. Ah. They issued a statement saying that they'd started that song years ago because people... um We never went after you 2 but uh, fans were writing in, calling Radio 1 and saying of pow, been in touch with their lawyers because you 2 have nicked that." Yeah, wow. and the same with the anything. But the- there's certain... To be done for breaching somebody else's... Writing or copyright, or whatever you want to call it, there's a certain amount of bars that have to go past OK. before um you're, you're deemed to be to have copied. Okay, which is why um, Sam Smith has had to settle with. Um, oh yes, Tom yeah, Petty, yeah, yeah. yeah, and a friend of mine settled out of court with. Um, remember, was it Mika? Because uh, his song Take It Easy. It's just, I just died in your arms tonight. Oh, my God. By Cutting Crew, they settled out of court, yeah, because there was so so much of the chord progression and so much of the melody that you could wind through each song that there's a there's a, press, there's a court case there, but not for the opening pizzicato strings of a song we... we weren't in the position to say oh hand over some cash but it was bizarrely similar it
4: was I mean yeah. I thought it was ridiculous me I, too I was 10 unimaginative <laughs>
10: yeah.
1: Reviewables is an uncategorisable comedy show it certainly doesn't seem to be about reviews this year they performed at the Vodafone Comedy Festival in the Ivy Gardens and with Dublin as part of Dublin Podcast Festival they even had Ardlo Lohanen on their show here's a couple of clips Andrea Farrell and Aaron McGathey talking about Andrea's dog a lot of Andrea's dog and Peter McGann talking about how the makers of the movie blown away stayed on the right side of the IRA.
7: My man was like, no, I'm
8: sick of this. I, they didn't do that. Right. So went back up to the vet and he went to fix her, fix her again. Like imagine being neutered twice. And then when she came home, um, he didn't give her a cone because he said she's grand. She doesn't need a cone. So she licked her stitches and they became loose. And then she was chasing a bird and then all her intestines fell out on, oh, on oh, the back garden.
11: <laughs> Jesus Andrea, Christ. Andrea, we used to live together. Andrea I feel faint that. now. Andrea told me that story in our sitting room and I just went, <laughs> like just literally just <laughs>
8: fell but, over. Like.
11: But she survived. I did.
8: And am got. <laughs> here. <laughs>
2: Tommy Lee Jones in... That movie where that movie an IRA movies, guy. Yeah, and I can't think. Blown like, away. Blown away. That's it. I think there's Such a, a terrible name for a movie yeah, about a bomber. By about a bomber like by blown, away. blown ah, away. lads. I think They're there's even. The bomber.
9: I think there's even a line in it where <laughs> they, the they bomber, say something like. Shorts, the, the bomber. bomber. <laughs> 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 Don't believe the bomber. The, the one where they got political. It's like, <laughs> yeah. lads, you're not the guys to be commenting on that shit. <laughs> two hapless a IRA
2: bombers And they
4: thought they could do it.
2: They blow up their own kitchen at the end of it. Boy. and the mother comes in and says what are you doing blowing up the kitchen lads <laughs> in the Tommy Lee Jones one
4: I think someone says he's like is he IRA and they're like no he's he's too crazy for the IRA yeah. like something like that they
9: say that in Patriot Games about Sean Bean as well yeah, yeah, I wish that was an actual trope to not offend the <laughs> IRA in movies every time there's an IRA bill, they're like he was too evil for them
2: so, so he has uh, to get out guys we don't want to piss off this terrorist organisation <laughs> Let's just say that uh, yeah, yeah, he's too evil for the IRA and then th- that way the IRA won't blow us up. <laughs> what we call the movie? Call it
1: blown away. <laughs> personality Bingo with Tom Moran hasn't missed a beat since its inception in February 2017. Consistently interesting conversations that take the audience all over the personality map. Not least a live show with Jarlith Regan as part of Dublin Podcast Festival. Here's Evo Connor talking about a sexual deviant and then Jarlith Regan talking about who loves potatoes the most.
8: Once we were in Edinburgh, so we did the Fringe every year, and mm-hmm. uh, we were all staying in a house, um, like like thirteen of us in one room. Like halfway through our accommodation fell through, so we like moved into my friend's room, like this massive troop of us. Like, but this kind of this kind of weird artist guy, he was over in our house one night, and it was in our big refugee house, and um, <laughs> he he was like, "Who dropped this? I found this on the floor. Who does this belong to?" And he was holding like vagina cleaner like a vagina solution or I don't even know. (laughs) And he was like, he was like, who cleans their vagina here? Like, who owns this? (laughs) And we were all just like, what? (laughs) And he was like, come on, own up. I found on the ground it must belong to one of you. (laughs) And we were like, we like, no, it's not mine. Like, is it yours? And like, no. And everyone denied it. And then he left. And afterwards, we were all just like, none of us own that. Like, definitely not. So we think he dropped it on the ground and was like, who owns this like we still think he kind of planted it as some whoa yeah <laughs> I don't know if it was like a conversation starter or like a anyway
5: oh what a weird that's weird because sometimes I would in a weird way pride myself on being quite um I like emotionally uh, tuned in with people yeah. so if someone drops their vagina cleaner in yeah. front of me, I'm not gonna lift up the vagina cleaner yeah. and go, "Who owns the vagina yeah. cleaner?" So that takes a specific kind of person to yeah. uh, want to do that. Yeah. Even if even if it wasn't planted, <laughs> plant I made
12: mean, the planted
8: vagina cleaner. <laughs> yeah. Well, wow. here we go. Number forty. No, Tom. No, okay. no. <laughs> no.
12: 30,
2: number forty-seven is mm-hmm. the closest I have to that. Okay. Uh, number. 40, uh,
12: what is your biggest downfall when it comes to being healthy?
2: Oh, I mean, where do we start, Tom? You really really hit on a nerve there. (laughs) Like, I was told at the Mayo Clinic, the most disgustingly cruel twist of nature. (laughs) The carb sensitivity is where if you eat carbs, you quickly turn it to sugar and store it as fat. And they said that this is very common in Irish men, which makes sense. That as a result of evolution, we've evolved in such a way that if you ever take our potatoes away again, <laughs> oh, we are ready for it. It's like a camel's hump. That's what an Irish man's belly is. And but isn't that cruel? Don't you think that's cruel? That the people that enjoy the potatoes the most are responding in this way to them. And what's Whenever I've said that, and I have said this before, in case you don't know, this is material. Mm -mm. Uh, English people have come to me after shows and said, we bloody love a potato, mate. I don't know why. You're saying the Irish love a potato more than the English. We bloody love a potato. And and I just think, fuck off. (laughs) You, You don't. You don't. If you're English in here now saying to me, We like potatoes more than you. Ask yourself, is there a potato
1: theme park in your country? (laughs) Double Love may only be 11 episodes deep, but they've already built a loyal fan base of Sweet Valley High aficionados. It may seem like a very niche podcast, but have a listen to how fun it is. Here they are talking about Bruce being an old-timey gangster and the bizarre imagery of the female gaze.
7: So she basically bribes him. Yes, she's going to write a big flattering article about him in the Oracle about how amazing he is at tennis. Yeah, and because he is an egomaniac who yeah. assumes that, well, obviously she's, you know, people will want to read this. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's, uh, he's up for it. He is. And he also gives us one of his amazing gangster lines. Oh, It's share so it. good. I absolutely love it. <laughs> <laughs> so Bruce Patman spun his racket. He shook his head back and forth, struggling with the decision. Finally, he spoke. "All right, I'll take her, but I want my picture in, see, a big one, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and tell her I whipped that guy at Palisades."
7: <laughs> right. Oh god. Oh, that, I, I presume he's holding a Tommy gun. I don't even know. I, I presume <laughs> so too. Look at me, bye. Oh god. Oh, that's yeah. Oh so god, I love it. Oh, man. He's so awful, but God, I love him all the time again. (laughs) Me too. He's so entertainingly terrible. Well, sometimes he's just awful in this, but that is a great moment. But that is so good. There's a moment, which is one of my all-time favourite Sweet Valley moments because it's so insane. She's gazing at Bruce. And now you could make an argument for... The depiction of Bruce as very much being the female gaze—that's true. Because yeah. it's always she's always going on about how beautiful he yeah. is, at his lean, limbed so body, handsome. And in this case, she says, "I've got to go. I'll talk to you later." She tossed distractedly back at Cara. Her, out of here Her here eyes now. riveted on the glorious spectacle of Bruce climbing the stairs with the loose-limbed grace of a young lion. It's. It's amazing. And like that lion. is that is some solid gold Sweet Valley nonsense. That is a classic. That is actually the one classic moment in this book. It's so good. Is the, is the young lion? Thing. But also now that I'm reading it, it's like, is he getting up the stairs on all fours? Oh ooh, yeah. Is he, is he actually crawling? Is <laughs> it <up the laughs> <street>? galloping? <laughs> on the runway type of. Oh my god. Oh, wow. that's even better. <laughs> oh. It just uh, keeps on going. It really, really does. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, she, she she always has time to, uh, you know, uh, check out Bruce, even mm. while she's concocting schemes. And actually, the scheme is sort of, the purpose of it is she wants to be the queen. Mm. But part of the reason she wants to be the queen is that she's sure Bruce is going to be elected king. He's and a she- shoe in for full king. A king. Fall also, monarch. Also, that's a thing, that's- I guess.
1: <laughs> Mother folklore raced out of the gates in August and quickly became one of HPN's most popular podcasts. Post Darco Shea's book, also called Mother Folklore, has been a great success, even winning an award at the Irish Book Awards. This is a podcast for everyone, not just Irish language enthusiasts. Here's Emer Duffy talking about how satire can ruin your marriage, and Garadine McAvoy talking about her dyslexia.
3: One of the other grounds for divorce was that you could divorce a partner if they composed a satire about you.
13: <laughs> <laughs> it was well believed in you know, the 7th to 9th century that um you know a satire had sort of a physical implication as well. Um, obviously, this is a society that was very much intrinsically based on your social standing, um, you know, where you were in society. So um, a satire that was performed against you could bring down your face value, your your worth in society. So obviously, no one wanted a satire against them. And nobody especially wanted a just satire to be performed against them. Um That's the worst. Exactly. Now, you can... You know, if you do the reading, you see lots of things like you know someone performs a satire in someone else, and that the person that the satire was performed upon suddenly has some sort of a physical blemish or there's a scar or there's a deformity to it. so it's like it's a very wide topic and it encompasses an awful lot. but yeah, it, it does have its influence on divorce law as well.
11: And as it turns out, my understanding of my relationship with irish actually correlates a lot to the science of it, because it's something that's called orthographic depth. And that sounds a really fancy term for something that's quite simple. But essentially, some languages are really transparent and some languages are really opaque. And what that means is, say, for example, English, when you look at a word in English, there's no way of telling exactly how that's pronounced unless you know how to pronounce it. So, Like
3: island or salmon.
11: Exactly right. Or uh, one of the ones that um, I find that's really indicative of it are two words, hood and moon. So the double O in those words is pronounced completely different, despite the fact that they both begin with consonants and end in consonants, they're short words, and yet they're pronounced completely different. And there's no rhyme or reason why in English. This is
3: like George Bernard Shaw's famous example of spelling fish with G-H-O-T-I, because you take the G-H from tough, the O from women
1: and the T-I from election.
11: Right, exactly. It's there's just no logic. In logic, there is none.
1: With relish, HPN's Excellent Food Podcast has had a delicious year with visits to farms, breweries, and even Bray. Their brilliant live show in the Fumbly as part of Dublin Podcast Festival was a resounding success. So here, listen to them chatting to Joe Mackin about his first restaurant and about improving coffee with science.
8: So what were the most difficult things in establishing your brand over the first few years? You've spoken a bit about the Twitter thing. Like did it just kind of take off for you, or were there lots of challenges and
3: things about them? Just took off for us. But anything to do with money, spreadsheets, finance, anything like that to me is Dutch. Uh, So I have a business partner (laughs) who looked after all that for me. Uh, And that is, you know, that's the hard part. I still find that it's hard. You can't go into the kitchen and create menus and run that part of the business and have to look after all the, the challenges that are coming with it and like, it's simple things like HACCP standards chefing rostering that's basically and then you have to look after the margins how much money you're making off the food how much money you're spending on the staff then you have got how the restaurant operates how the drinks operate and then if you to go and look at the books it's like it's such a breadth of stuff Sweet. and yeah. that is the biggest challenge it's it's, it's so multifunctional mm-hmm.
13: and did you think at the start that you could manage all that yourself and try to do it oh yeah of course
3: I did. Yeah. <laughs>
7: Look, I mean, everyone
8: does that. So like, yeah, you
3: know, yeah. I, yeah. Like I, you can do, I opened another hair restaurant. We open like, and I don't, don't want you to hate restaurants, but we open another restaurant that's doing really, really well. Yeah. I, geez, I thought it was invincible. Yeah. Do you know? And you know, the part of like when you've got a restaurant that's boom and everyone's coming in the door, you're at partying every night of the yeah, week. Yeah, 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 and you're sort of like, you know, you're living on a high. Do you know? Monday morning, catch up? Monday morning, <laughs> the, and the accountants come knocking. Yeah. That's the uh, yeah. <laughs> <Locked> oh, door <laughs> Jesus. But you know, it is a challenge. But it is actually nearly the most important business, especially in the casual business. That is the key.
7: What is it that drew you to coffee? Like I know that you've got a science background, so yes. there's obviously like a very kind of like smart brain, you know, at work here. What uh, was I it that drew you know. <laughs> into this world, though? You know
14: what I mean? Um, like so from, I, I, was it were you a physics teacher or chemistry teacher? Yeah, I
12: went really, really briefly teaching, uh, mm. and I taught the sciences. Yeah, and okay. I didn't get on so well with that. I think I lasted less than a year before I decided that that just wasn't for me. Um, but I did check my bank balance at the end of the year, and I realized that I had spent about five grand on coffee that year uh, so I said mm, that's nah. this, this is this is definitely something that uh something that interests into, me yeah. yeah so I kind of pestered a couple of people for jobs and then got a job in a shop in town called Coffee Angel oh, yeah. that now has three or four shops around mm-hmm. town and it was kind of from there that I realized okay there's a real you know there's a real niche for applying science to coffee okay. and trying to get that you know trying to stand out by half a percent because at the end of the day, like that, that half a percent does make a little bit of a difference. Yeah. Um, you know, people might not know what it is, but you know, they come in, they go, that, you know, people aren't going to come in and go, that coffee's half a percent lovelier yeah. than yeah. anywhere else. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. they're, they're kind of going, there's something a little bit more special, special about yeah. that. Yeah. And you know, it's just, it doesn't cost us a whole lot more money to do. And you know, it costs us a little bit of extra time to do, but it's just worth doing yeah. when, when you're as nerdy, when you get shouted at by yeah. train spotters about being yeah, a loser, yeah, you know, yeah. that's, that's, that's your market.
1: Fair Game, the women's sports podcast, joined HPN after their first ever live show at Dublin Podcast Festival, and we're absolutely delighted to have them. Every episode is well-researched, brilliantly executed, and a pleasure to listen to. Elaine and Emily are at the top of their games. Here they are talking to Noelle Healy about the emotion of winning a final after losing loads of finals, and then Kelly Harrington about the difficulties of making weight in boxing.
0: So it's safe to say that the 2017 season has been one to remember for Noelle Healy. Noelle, you're very welcome to Fair Game. Thanks very much. Well, we're going to go straight back to Sunday, 24th September, around the 5.30pm mark. So the final whistle has just gone in Croke Park. Celebrations are erupting all over the pitch, but you are whisked away, stage left, for your player of the match interview and presentation. And I'm not sure if you're aware, but like on the big screen for people in Croke Park and for people watching at home, I think we saw every possible human emotion <laughs> cross your face. <laughs> in that moment um as Mac, macawain t- asked you your first question can you take us back to that moment
7: yeah i think i was just trying so hard not to cry i'd say every emotion probably did go across my face um, it was the first time i kind of spotted a few people that i knew in the crowd as well um, and they were kind of probably feeling the same as well there was definitely a few tears with them like it's it's just so hard t- to imagine i think even when the when the whistle went you kind of feel that you're going to be just having this massive moment of elation and it's actually just such a wave of relief that c- comes through you. You don't know whether to scream, to cry, to laugh. My one memory was, I remember I was, I was by myself. I kind of, I think I collapsed down onto the pitch and all of a sudden about five of the girls came and jumped on me and for like five seconds I was like, this is so nice. And I was like, I can't actually breathe. <laughs> so <I> was like, <laughs> Thankfully I was missed away at that stage. But um, yeah, it was just so surreal. Even just to do one of those interviews where you're heard throughout the stadium was um, a bit bizarre. But um, no, yeah, it was lovely. It was really nice.
15: One really, really hard part of making weight is uh, when when we have a period. Like it's that's the hardest part. Like and a lot of people hate talking about, it, but I I don't really care. I've, I'm totally open anyway. So uh, uh, that's the hard part for me. Is uh when when I when I get my period is making weight because yeah all of I want to do like, is eat chocolate and then you well. put water weight on and you know that's that's the nightmare and then as well as that it's performance when you have them as well like because everything goes out the window doesn't it like uh, yeah your mental state everything like you know so <laughs> that's the that's the hard part and uh, luckily enough now um all the coaches understand that like and. They're not like they're all male coaches and none of them are afraid to talk about it, which is great, you know. So if I'm like they you kind of take a day or two off when you when you when you get your period, they tell you, you know, and I, I would totally use that as a, a full advantage to take them two days off.
0: And it's odd that you that it's just not talked about very often. Like, I remember reading a, a piece last year with the um about the English women's hockey team who won gold at the Rio Olympics, right. And basically the first thing that their new coaching regime did when they came in was get the details of everyone's cycles. Yeah. And they train in groups, like they do their strength and conditioning at one A group who, who do it at a certain time of the month. Others oh, do God, more that's brilliant. Work. They've actually built their training program around it wow. and they won gold medals. So that's brilliant. You know, there has to be a link in, yeah. in, in using in kind of using sports science that way yeah. and being open about
1: it. Juvenalia is the oldest regular podcast on the Headstuff Podcast Network and it continues to deliver. Their live show in Dublin Podcast Festival with Maria Doyle Kennedy was a great success and they've been in many of the podcasts you need to listen to lists. Here they are with Dave Rudden talking about Terry Pratchett and with Maria Doyle Kennedy about how she wants to be a mermaid. But he says, Moist von Lipwig,
4: this con man, because like, I think you're a man with talents and I think you could revitalise the postal service. And it's a book about this con man revitalising the postal service and it sounds like it shouldn't work, but what it basically, what he talks about constantly with von Lipwick is when you trick the world, there's a moment when, when the mark is like, you know, looking at the fake gold ring or when you're like, you're pretending to be a bishop and trying to sell someone something or whatever. There's a moment where you can spin the whole world on your fingers. There's a moment where sometimes everything that glitters is gold. And like, when I read that, I was like, that's like, that's, he's just weaponized imposter syndrome. Like he just like, that whole like, um, feeling like the fraud police are going to kick your door down. Oh
7: yeah, with a clipboard.
4: Yeah, you could look at it as oh god I'm a fake and nobody knows or you could look at it as I'm a fake, and nobody knows. They're letting
7: me away (laughs) with this.
4: (laughs) (laughs) And that's what he. And then he immediately addresses that by. um, So he tries to escape, and he gets pulled back, and this golem pulls him back. um, And the golem is like, and he's like, "Oh, I'm not a criminal. I never killed anybody." It's like you've killed eight point four people by the this bank that you 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 took off this thing you did. I've calculated that you have killed eight point four people, and like the idea that like again, it's the Moise Philip realizes I have this gift. I know the rules, therefore I should use it for good.
1: If you met Daria on the road, what would you be looking for?
14: If I was to join her yeah. on what would my, what would be my quest? Mm. <gasps> well,
1: I didn't even write that one down. That's so good. Yeah. <laughs>
14: <laughs> I personally am actually obsessed with mermaids. <laughs>
15: it's true it's totally true i i
14: I think that i would be going looking for a tale tale. or (laughs) yeah i read that story when i was really young Mm. and i just thought it was as i thought most fairy tales were actually always seem to have this terribly brutal outcome the mermaid one seemed to be the cruelest of all she fell in love with the prince right so then she saves him and then he comes to and she can't tell him it was her because she can't speak. And then other little princessy rocks up and goes, oh, wow. I know I, I did it all. I saved you. And then, and then every step is like, a yeah. And every step is like a thousand knives. It was just like the most deeply unfair thing I've ever <laughs> read in my life. And so I, I've been completely obsessed with mermaids ever since. I think they're real. I obviously have some sort of complex where I want to go back and sort that shit out <laughs> <laughs> for her. But also, I do think I will meet one someday. I don't think they're going to look like, you know, Ariel or like anything. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I, I think there's, I think it's possible.
13: Do you believe in ghosts?
14: Not really.
13: Oh. <laughs> I was just excited, but it's okay. <laughs>
1: Dublin joined up with HPN during the year after availing of our podcast studio for a few months. And it's a very happy little marriage. Suzanne and PJ have been rocking it, adding more and more listeners all the time, and their live show in the Sugar Club at Dublin Podcast Festival was electric. Here's PJ talking about when his dad tried to give him away when he was younger.
16: I remember when I was, like, eight, and my father tried to give me away to the travellers. You know that, like, and by the way, like, I was eight... And I was adopted So I'd been through this before I thought that this, was again. A, this was the second time This was like The first time was fucking bad enough And now It's like I'm being sold On the black market Right So th- I'm, I'll tell you right Your mum and dad
7: are trying to get Their money back
16: I'm not even fucking joking I was playing the pass them out game With my dad right What? You're Not a pass a out game
7: No it's probably A north side thing
16: Right well you're in the car right You're in the back And your dad's driving And every time another car Is in front of him You go
7: Pass a out Pass him out Pass him out Pass him out Pass him out
16: Until your dad goes Fucking mental right, right. You drive your dad insane So he's like I'm warning you I'm warning you Alright And I was Pass a out Pass a out Pass him out Right And then eventually He turned around And he said something That was very out of character For him right He looked at me and goes If you don't shut your Fucking mouth there's got to be consequences, right? <laughs> consequences. So I was like, yeah, right. Like, what consequences? It's me and me dad in the car. So I was, pass him out, pass him out. And we are coming down the Malahide Road, right? This is about 1983 or four, right? right? So I'm young, right? Yeah. And he pulls into the halting site where all the travellers are. And he goes to one of the travellers. He goes, excuse me, come here. Do you want a young fella? Because I'm sick to me shite of this fella. Do you want him? Because I don't want him anymore right
7: and you back... could sue your parents for traumatic stress
16: oh yeah well see this is the thing at the time this was just a funny fucking story so
13: <laughs> so the traveler... now you'd be on the front of the Herald
16: yeah yeah now you'd be ah. Oh. now he'd be done like he'd, be,
13: he'd... he'd be viral Go on. oh
16: yeah he would yeah. he'd be He's fucking the the all the these child protective services and all rather than what that actually is which is just a fucking funny story of something that my dad did and he was fucking right <laughs> and then the traveller looks in the car at me and he goes no shit because he was happy to play along because racism against travellers in the 80s was fucking hilarious, right? So he looks at me and he goes, What would I do with him? I mean, look at him now. Is he strong? Is he strong? That's what he said. And me over there goes, Him, he's not strong. He couldn't lift a blade and tic tack that young lad. Or something to these effect And then he starts going on about uh, he does nothing his mother tells him either. Never does that as Ma tells him. And then the traveler says, <laughs> going Jesus. I wouldn't want a board by now. I have no room for a board by. I've, right? He goes, I've eight children in my and, and I have a five year old in here can change the engine out of a van. Right? I'm like on. No! No! Fucking please dad Fucking please Please don't fucking leave me On the side of the fucking road Please Like there's fucking dogs Running around And there's fucking <laughs> Car parts all over the fucking place I was shitting myself And then my dad goes oh, I'll give him another chance Right oh, I'll give him another chance And the Travellers there going No problem But I'll tell you something Bring him back to me now If he's still bored I'll find a place for him No problem I'll find good work for him I said no nah! Fucking <laughs> no! And then, did I ever play past again? Never played past again. No, I fucking. Any didn't
13: time we drove up near the Halton site, you're like, "No, Dad."
16: Yeah, yeah. No, I there, no! Uh, but fuck me! You, and now you have this Sue in the football club because they were dropped. Would you fuck off? It was always funny though. I don't know why, and it is a thing. Like when we were growing up, when your dad lost his fucking mind, mm. it was hilarious.
7: Because the dads didn't Your mum Your, your mom, mom yeah. went bananas at you. Like your mum would shout at you And give out yards to you like, And you just kind of be like And as you got older yeah. you have that attitude You'd be and like the, Relax
16: just But if your mother your dad. I was the other way If my dad lost his mind It was hilarious But no, if my mother lost her mind It was
1: fucking Oh really? Yeah Dill Vikramasinghe Joined HBN And started her podcast Sparking Change with Dill, After she was unceremoniously Ousted from Talk. Sparking change has gotten off to a great start and Dill is enjoying her newfound freedom. Here she is talking to Glenn Hansard about caring for homeless people and then to Ibrahim Halawa about his innocence.
9: It was, it was so beautiful. I mean, in, in, in Apollo House, we had one woman arrive uh, the second day we were in the building. She was 83 years old. She came to the gates. She wasn't allowed in. We would, I wanted to bring her in for a cup of tea. We couldn't because the residents needed their privacy. I wanted to bring this woman in. She showed up with a blanket. She was 83 years old. She'd gotten a train from Galway lived in the countryside, got a train from Galway City, handed us one blanket and went back down to Houston and got back on a train and went back to Galway. And that to me is that's the Ireland. You know, when we talk about the Joe Duffy, Ireland and the people who are coming together, that's the Ireland I believe in. That's the Ireland I still live in, you know, and I also live in an Ireland that's very cynical and and who will view all of this as just complete egomania. And our egos, let's face it, our egos are the most It's the most difficult thing we have to deal with in our lives. So as soon as we can kind of get some kind of handle on that and laugh about it and do it anyway. That's that's what I would advise anybody, you know, see yourself as a hero. Yeah, see yourself as Mother Teresa, but do it anyway, you know.
1: I'm happy to be back, you know, but of course, uh, it's still it's still pretty hard for me. Of course, getting used to freedom isn't as easy as people think it is, of course, but. You know, I'm making it day by day and just trying to cherish every moment that that's to come. So, you know, that's I still have we still have a fight of my mom to, you know, to fight with her. So for me, that's that's a bit tough as well. But I have to I have to I have to live that I'm free now and just put everything behind in the shower with Taz and Marcus has been killing it for 20 episodes now. Informative, fun and just about the right amount of filth. Taz and Marcus are the dynamic duo with bubbly chemistry and all the facts. Here they are talking about why we yawn.
6: Most people think that when we kind of open our mouths wide and we suck in oxygen-rich air, the oxygen kind of enters our bloodstream and helps us wake up when we're falling asleep on our desks. It sounds pretty believable, but it's actually wrong. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. But like, it makes so much sense, doesn't it? It does, and it it seems like a logical a logical explanation, but this is kind of the disappointing truth. Although it's been heavily researched, there is to date actually no scientific explanation that thoroughly explains why why we yawn. But the answer may lie in our brains.
3: Really? So you're saying that um, yawning doesn't shoot oxygen into your brain?
6: Nope, it does not. So yawning, which is, you know, I suppose a definition of yawning is a stretching of the jaw and kind of gaping of the mouth for like a long therapeutic <sighs> inhalation. Followed by a, sh- a kind of a shallow exhalation. Yes, as Marcus is demonstrating. But this yawning may serve as a thermoregulatory mechanism for your brain.
3: That's a big word. That's, a ther- that's- thermoregulatory mechanism. Yeah. So yawning serves to cool down your brain is that yeah. right
6: yeah yeah so so like to break up that word you know thermoregulatory. it's like regulating your thermals in your brain so like when you think about it how much does your temperature affect how sleepy you are like just on like a, a day-to-day basis
3: oh like i'm i'm actually like really I, i'm a victim to this yeah that like yeah if it's warm i sleep like i if i'm in a warm country i need a siesta yeah because you know it's like I've had my warm morning and I need a nap.
6: That's exactly it. And like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm exactly the same. If like, I'm wrapped up cosy, yeah, you're, like, you're sleeping.
1: We have other great podcasts on the network, which we didn't manage to showcase here, but are every bit as good and worth checking out. Look out for Potteroony, The Sus, Worst to That Effect, and Bookish. And if you're still in that Christmassy vibe, check out Rose Chestnuts. So if you're listening to these and think you could do better yourself, why not give it a go? Our podcast studio is available to rent from just 30 euro an hour. It's comfortable and in a handy Dublin city centre location. Check out headstuff.org for more info and to book. So there you are, subscribe to all those podcasts. Thanks and see you all in 2018.